Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com the nba finals are heating up looking for hot takes on all the postseason action the old man and the three presented by bmw is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage host and former nba sharpshooter jj reddick not only has a plugged in perspective on the action from his time in the league but he's also announcing the games in real time for espn J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, and I am joined by my good friend, Dalton Del Don. I missed you last week. Well, not too much. You must have missed me more, actually, because I wasn't here. And today, we're going to provide you with a preview of week 12 of the NFL season. It's Thanksgiving, babies. But first, before we dive into all of that, we have special DFS news for Thanksgiving week. Yahoo will be hosting a special $1 million Everyone wins Thanksgiving DFS contest. Everyone, everyone who joins this contest is guaranteed to win a cash prize. No losers, only winners. So don't miss your chance at getting a share of the $1 million cash prize. That is a lot of money. Go ahead and visit the Yahoo Daily Fantasy Lobby now and join the $1 million Everyone Wins Thanksgiving contest. Speaking of Thanksgiving, Dalton Del Don, favorite side? Do you have any hot food takes? What are your plans? Hit me with it. I don't have any hot takes other than I'm in this like crazy uh, survivor pool that is forcing uh, us to use the Thanksgiving slate, and I'm down to 134 people, and it's six million dollar payout. So I'm going to be an I'm going to be an insane person watching one of these games, and uh, uh, the writing's already on the wall. It's going to be a rough one because I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to be forced to pick the early game, and then the in laws are scheduled for the afternoon uh, dinner. So I might be in a very poor mood. Uh, entering that. So I can see the setup is, is set up for a disaster. But what about you, Liz? Are you, um, well, what's your situation like? Let me just say that I will, I am going to be sending Carly a bottle of wine that she is free to open before 11 a.m. on Absolutely. Thanksgiving. She'll, appre- she'll appreciate that. Cause yeah, I'm going to be, a, <laughs> I'm going to be a mess, but tell me what's your setup like? Um, I mean, like on the real, I don't cook. I think a lot of people know this, but I'm not a very, like whenever these trolls 
enter the comments and they're like, get back in the kitchen, lady. I'm always like, you have not tasted my cooking. No good at it. <laughs> um, I bought my husband a smoker over COVID for Father's Day and God bless him and his talents. He has been doing all of it. But mostly the thing I am most thankful for, if I may, since I missed last week, I just wanted to wrap up the sports parent discussion now that Pax's Little League fall ball season is over and say that he won the game ball on his last game. My mom was here, so she got to see it, and he had an awesome, awesome game. He got the game ball. He was really, really stoked with himself, and um, we're we're looking forward to maybe getting a little private coach situation before we oh. roll into the spring. Well, we don't Congra- all have Andy Barons on retainer like you, friend. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, congrats, Pax. That's awesome. It's cool that your mom got to see it too. Yeah, man, yeah. congrats. Game ball. That's that's no joke. That's the real deal. So that's 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 exciting, man. That's awesome. Happy to hear yeah. it, Liz. Thank you. It was super cool. All right, now let's get into th- some things that are not super cool, like Chris Carson undergoing neck surgery and his season being over. It's so bad for Seattle. Like, Russell's not healthy. The Matt and I talked about this on the Sunday night pod, like the offensive line situation, Russell's complaints. Um, obviously, the receivers have some big personalities in Seattle, and that's not exactly gelling well. And, and, and Alex Collins has completely underwhelmed. I mean, Chris Carson has been out since week four. And in that time, Alex Collins has recorded more than 15 carries just a single time. And over the past three weeks, let's not forget Russell Wilson's been back two of those times. So we can't just Geno Smith this away. Collins has logged exactly 10 carries. And each of those outings has resulted in fewer than 45 rushing yards. He's not a factor in the passing game. And yet every week, we're fielding questions about Alex Collins, and every week we're putting him in our rankings, and this is just such a cluster. Yeah, as frustrating as Seattle's passing attack has been, so is the runners. Um, Rashad Penny actually started last week, took the first carry, looked good, like a 17-yard run, and pulled his hamstring, uh, obvious. I mean, I think he did play a few more snaps afterward, but I'm pretty sure he did injure it on that very carry, the first one. And as you said, Collins is not is not targeted at all. DJ Dallas looks better at times, and there's even Travis Homer. So it's a committee there and an offense that can't, they're taking away the deep ball, and Russell Wilson has not discovered a counter, at least not from the pistol still formations while dealing with this uh this finger injury so uh, yeah it's a total disaster in seattle russell lost three games in a row at home for the first time in his seattle career and suddenly uh, the russell wilson era is really legitimately in jeopardy if the russell wilson era in seattle may be coming to an end the short-lived relatively speaking jason garrett era in new york has ended in fact uh, garrett was fired on tuesday morning Freddie Kitchens is expected to be the interim offensive coordinator. Obviously, Freddie Kitchens is kind of used to getting a bump and (laughs) handling duties. Um, He did the same thing when Hugh Jackson was fired in Cleveland. He was the running backs coach at the time. I think it's interesting, the connective tissue of the NFL, actually. Uh, Freddie Kitchens was obviously a quarterback at Alabama, and Bruce Arians, the team that, frankly, in some ways got Jason Garrett fired, nicknamed like knows knows um freddie kitchens and nicknamed him thick (laughs) from back then i'm wondering though we know the freddie kitchens right like there's an interesting he's an interesting personality there's an interesting bump attached like does saquon barkley since kitchens was a former running backs coach like 
Do we think he gets a little bit more run? Do we think there's some efficiency there? What questions are you asking? Do you have any answers? How is this a disaster offensively Monday night against a Tampa defense that was a bunch of injuries in its secondary, missing Vitavea? Looked like Barkley may have aggravated something. He was on the sidelines. He's admitted today oh, right. that he wasn't, his legs weren't totally underneath him. So I don't know how close to 100% he is. But, um, and Kitchens, last I remember him, was just basically underwhelming when Cleveland had high expectations when he was the head coach that year. So um, I'm not sure if it moves the needle either way, but obviously Garrett wasn't exactly uh, great. So maybe a change can be anything, uh, can do anything but help. But um, this offense definitely frustrating. Kadarius Tony saw t- 12 targets and it resulted in, in not, not too many yards. So um, yeah, the, the Giants offense has been a real, real big disappointment. And, and you'd like to see Bark- those who had Barkley stash, like, oh, at least they'll pay off down the stretch. But Man, Monday night was just not encouraging. He was on the sideline and banged up. It's a tough matchup against Tampa Bay, but um, yeah, hopefully the move to Kitchens is is, is suddenly helps here. But um, yeah, it, it can't hurt because obviously Garrett is, was not the answer. Well, Kitchens wasn't a great head coach, but he did serve the Browns well when you know Hugh Jackson was fired. And I believe the interesting thing to me about Kitchens is that the bang on or the knock against the 2019 Browns was how undisciplined they were. Remember the penalties that they kept recording and and piling up and yet Joe Judge is seemingly one of the like biggest sticklers in the league right this is not a flexible loose personality and so it'll be interesting to see what happens I will say in terms of upcoming schedule it is favorable for Barkley I mean versus the Eagles in week 12 at Miami that's a a defense that we've talked about is getting a little bit healthier and finding themselves, feeling themselves. But then at the Chargers, a pretty soft run defense the following week. Um, So there are some opportunities, certainly not in terms of the division, but for fantasy managers to find a little bit of boost. It's not a foregone conclusion that everything's over yet for fantasy. I like your point about Kitchens being offensive coordinator because part of that reason that that uh, that Browns team had hype that year was because of how that offense performed down the stretch when Kitchens was calling the plays. So um, yeah, it would hardly be the first coach who's not great as a head coach, but is a uh, you know a fine uh, coordinator at his his side of the ball. So um, yeah, the move can't hurt. I'd say. All right, let's dig into the games now. Just as an FYI for our listeners, all odds that. Dalton and I mentioned are provided by BetMGM. And I just want you guys to keep in mind that they can and probably will change a bit between now and Sunday. So, you know, be flexible, be cool, be like, be like the mashed potatoes. Don't be like the turkey get, that gets all dry and brittle, you know? And speaking of turkeys, we got to talk about the first game on the Thanksgiving slate. Oh gosh, it's going to be so bad. I think people should take their post-meal nap ahead of it and miss this one. It's the Bears who are traveling to Detroit Andy Dalton is starting. We got a 50-50 take on whether or not Jared Goff is going to be back from the oblique injury, and we have Tim Boyle. I mean, either way, nothing exciting here. Allen Robinson is still sidelined when we're recording. He's probably not going to play. So, you know, that sounds like another Darnell Mooney with a 90% snap share game and 16 targets, and David Montgomery is likely to roll against the Lions' run defense. Yeah, this is a you know generally a pretty boring game, and as you said, suggested on the uh, outline here, maybe sleep in. But me, I'm going to be the crazy person because the aforementioned six million dollars survivor pool. I've already used the Cowboys and the Bills. Uh, wouldn't be here if not. And you're forced to use this Thanksgiving slate. That's just a way they don't want a bunch of ties at the end. But um, so I'm going to be a big Bears fan. It looks like so rooting. Uh, who is going to start Tim Boyle or or you know uh, Jared Goff while dealing with an oblique strain? But um, a lot of injuries. Uh, yeah, Allen Robinson's probably not going to play. Dark. 
Darnell Mooney for those uh, fantasy managers out there. You got to start him without Robinson. And David Montgomery, man, he was immediately became the feature back. And he's uh, in a really nice matchup with Detroit. But um, yeah, there's not much to like on, on Detroit side of the ball other than Don- DeAndre Swift, no matter who starts at quarterback. Um, but yeah, this is uh, not exactly a game you're looking forward to in, in, as a standalone, uh, unless you're a crazy person like myself who's uh, going wild in this survivor pool. The running backs, man. I think Montgomery probably goes over 100 total yards and finds the end zone. DeAndre Swift, I think he flirts with just under 100 yards. Like maybe I take the under on 100, but I take the over on 94 for him. But I agree with you. It's going to be a mess of a game. Let's move to the Raiders at Dallas. These are two teams coming off of losses here. It is expected to be a high-scoring game per Vegas, though, you know, as we saw last week with Dallas, Vegas was not correct. Uh, An over-under of 50-and-a-half here. Probably no CeeDee Lamb, no Amari Cooper, Looks like if we're if those are two negatives for Dallas on a positive side of things, Tyron Smith, the left tackle, will be back from that ankle injury. He did practice in full on Tuesday, and that was the first time since week eight. So that will be a little bit of a benefit for Dak Prescott. While the Raiders are definitely desperate themselves and will certainly be focused, uh, this Cowboy seems in a rebound spot here after last week. C.D. Lamb is attending meetings, so they're still holding out hope that he can clear concussion protocol in the short week, so he may play. That would obviously affect Gallup. Either way, he would be worth starting this matchup. But without Lamb and Cooper, Gallup could be looking at double-digit targets, and and he obviously disappointed last week, as did Cedric Wilson, but um, that just comes down to the health situation there. But Dak is averaging three touchdowns per game at home this year, Historically, throughout his career, he's played better at home. And getting Smith back at left tackle seemingly just been huge for this offense. So expect him to bounce back in a get-right game and score plenty of points on offense, So no matter who starts at wide receiver for them. Ezekiel Elliott managers have had a couple of heart palpitations because we've seen Zeke leave a game a little bit banged up with a lower body situation. Last week it was the knee. I think we've seen an ankle happen as well. But then he'd return and miss time but come back and it does look like he is okay he practiced fully on Tuesday and I mean obviously you can run on these Raiders we saw what Joe Mixon did in week 11 the Raiders gave up almost 170 rushing yards to the Bengals in week 11 so I I think this is a I think we're all predicting that this is a big bounce back spot for Dallas they are favorited by seven and a half yeah, I was worried Zeke was totally done at one point last week, but yeah. apparently it's just going to be a thing he's just going to deal with. This knee issue is a thing that's going to be a, a recurring thing throughout the year, and it's, he's going to look to be in pain at times, and fantasy managers going to have to realize that because, yeah, it looked serious last week, and now he's already, I think he's off the injury report and good to go this mm-hmm. week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, even if he's not 100%, and at this stage of his career, he can be plenty uh, valuable in fantasy thanks to this situation, especially with an intact offensive line. And you said if Raiders got ran like all over by Mixon last week, I think they've allowed the six most fantasy points to running back. So you're certainly starting Zeke with confidence at home for sure. I wouldn't mind starting Pollard either. Like as a flex, certainly um, the Raiders have given up four receiving scores to opposing running backs. So if on the short turnaround, Zeke isn't feeling 100 and we know that Pollard is still looking explosive, even if he's not being used to the best of his abilities, right? Or to the highest of his potential, then I still think given the matchup, he might have a little bit of run, especially if we're missing two of these pass catchers and he's so effective as a pass catcher himself. 
Oh, that is a great point about the, the maybe the open targets. But yeah, I have him as my RB30 this week, so he's a flex option. With upside for more, Zeke in a short week aggravates that knee injury right away. Suddenly you have the feature back, yeah. uh, you know, a team that's the most favorite of the, of the entire week. So, so yeah, Pollard upside, uh, a flex option with upside to be, you know, a top 10 back if Zeke left this game injured. Buffalo is traveling to New Orleans. More injuries here. Alvin Kamara, we know, was banged up. He missed last week. And Mark Ingram, who has, I thought, performed admirably in Kamara's stead, also missed practice. So uh, do we have to keep an eye on Tony Jones, undrafted free agent from 2020 out of Notre Dame? We know he's a good receiver. We know that um, the Saints could certainly use some of those. He's not particularly explosive or fast, but he did beat out Latavius Murray. Yeah, even in a bad matchup, uh, man, and it looks like both starting tackles on offensive line might be missing for New Orleans too. Excellent but. Point. Just given, still given the running back landscape, if Kamara and Ingram are out, I think Tony Jones, you're treating, you know, a top 25 or whatever type running back, just given the volume. And who knows who's starting at quarterback? It could be more Taysom Hill who could take some goal line scores. But this is a real, you know, focused team out, uh, coming in the losing streak and they're desperate. But um, there's a ton of injuries, uh, shaky quarterback play. Um, but yeah, this is the backfield situation. It's definitely one to watch there with Ingram. Maybe now looking on live, I would be really surprised if Kamara plays. So yeah, if, if I had to guess now, it looks like Tony Jones has the New Orleans backfield uh, come Thursday night. If we're talking about backfields being a guessing game, welcome to Buffalo. What a disaster. I mean, Zach Moss is being quieted completely. It's Matt Burita who is leading the Buffalo Bills backfield. Five carries for 51 rushing yards. Obviously, game script had something to do with that low tote total for him uh, in the game against Indianapolis last week. But he also out-targeted Zach Moss. You know, I think we have like a three-headed Hydra here in Orchard Park, and you also have quite a mobile quarterback who certainly doesn't mind getting it himself, running it in for six himself. So this just, I mean, I'm almost tempted to forget about Burita, even if he is the like newly crowned quote leader of the backfield, forget about Moss because clearly he's fallen out of favor in some respect. And we saw him have some trouble at the top of the season when Burita filled in for him and he was a, a healthy scratch in the beginning of September, I feel like Devin Singletary has the, this is wild to say, like highest floor because we know he's going to get some action in the passing game. I would really prefer to not have to use any of those three fantasy backs this week. The last two weeks, Matt Breida has led Buffalo uh, running backs in fantasy points. And this this week, the Saints are the number one run defense in DVOA. So yeah, and you, you said Josh Allen, they have a quarterback who's a beast at the goal line stealing touchdowns too. So it's just not a good setup for that three-headed committee there. So I I mean, of course, if you there's certain situations and I understand running backs so thin that you're going to have to use one as a flex, it's fine. But ideally, yeah, you, you'd like to avoid this committee. I like uh, Cole Beasley, if assuming his rib injury is okay. He was practicing. Uh, his snaps went back up last week. The numbers didn't suggest it, but the snaps did. And, and New Orleans has been especially vulnerable to the slot. So I, I kind of like Beasley here in a bounce back. Because I do not think Buffalo, with that, with those three running backs in that offensive line, they struggle to run against anyone. And against this New Orleans team, they're not going to be able to run it at all. It's going to be Allen passing early and often. All right, those were the Thursday games. So now let's skip to the Sunday games and let's start with the Steelers traveling to Cincinnati for a divisional matchup. Eric Ebron, probably out for the rest of the year. He's been dealing with injuries throughout the season, but it looks like that knee is going to be a season ender for him. That obviously means there's more clarity about Pat Fryermuth. We've seen his stock rise. We've seen him, frankly, move ahead of 
Ebron on the depth chart already, but we like to see the concentration of targets narrowed for him a little bit more. He's averaged 7.2 targets per game since week six. And he's also, to me, this is the big one because we love, you know, tight ends in the red area. He has recorded 12 red zone looks over that same span of time. Oh, yeah, he's back to being a top 12-ish type fantasy tight end for me with Ebron out. You like Fryermuth, beast in the red zone. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger struggled with his YPA again last week, but three touchdown passes after having not practiced at all for two weeks. It was kind of impressive. So uh, he's at least, uh, you know, he's capable, probably an upgrade over Mason Rudolph. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on Fryermuth. I'm still waiting for Chase Claypool after scoring 11 touchdowns as a rookie as one. This year, I'm still waiting for more TDs from him. But um, yeah, Fryermuth may be part of the reason why they aren't going the sophomore's way. Um, and then on the flip side, T. Higgins, we keep calling him, you know, just remain patient, remain patient. And uh, yep. I'll, I'll stay I'll stay the same, man. In, in games uh, played with, with Chase, their target, their target share is essentially equal. This Chase just happens to be the one scoring all the touchdowns. I do think Higgins has a real nice uh, finish to the season. Although the, the Bengals went from being real pass-heavy in neutral situations to kind of going more more run heavy last week, but that might've just been a factor of the opponent, the the Raiders being so inviting and letting Joe Mixon run all over him. 30 carries for Joe Mixon in week 11. You gotta love too that we know that Mixon is the workhorse, right? The unwavering loyalty to Mixon. There's no more Samaj P. Ryan discussion. I don't know if it's the smartest thing in the world to do given his durability concerns, but for right now, while he's healthy, obviously everyone is happy to take it, including the Bengals. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we just saw on Monday night, are traveling to Indianapolis. This game has, like, sneaky shootout appeal, I feel like. Like, this is a game that I would not have at the top of the season looked at and been like, oh, that'll be a good game. But I am quite looking forward to it. Questions for Tampa Bay. Are we going to get Antonio Brown back? Obviously, there's some injury and vaccination card situations going on. I'm going to guess that he's not going to be back. And I almost hope he's not going to be back because while he's been out, Leonard Fournette has been beasting as a receiver. Maybe my read on that situation is wrong, but it sounds like to me Antonio Brown isn't even close to returning. I, I I wouldn't expect him, and I'm totally with you here. This game being a sneaky, a high-scoring DFS-type game to load up in. I wrote about Carson Wentz as a possible DFS uh, building block this week in a column just because last week, I know that Jonathan Taylor was able to run against a good run defense on paper, but the Bills really hadn't faced anyone. Their schedule had been easy, and the, and the Bucks, even without Vitavea, that's a really tough run defense, so I expect the Colts to be forced to pass more than usual. Uh, Hilton there, Pittman's there. I, I like I like Wentz to again again to be forced to higher volume than expected with Taylor coming off that monster game. You can expect Tampa Bay to focus on the guy scoring five touchdowns. So uh yeah, and then on the flip side, of course, Tampa Bay throws it like crazy. So I think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game. Because because where the Colts excel is run defense. So whatever, Brady will just throw it. It's just going to feature a ton of passes on both sides. Uh, when you look at it like, oh, these two teams have good defenses, but they really excel stopping the run and are beatable against the pass. So I think this could equal a lot of points. Perfect analysis. Um, we love seeing Gronk back. How about that? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. We putting him back in our top five now. I mean, I think I have him inside my top five. 64% snap share. Ran 22 routes, which was about the same as he was running at the top of the season before he hurt his ribs. Converted six of eights uh, for 71. And Indianapolis is allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Yep, right there, top five for me too. Uh, yeah, he's, he's especially with no, with no Antonio Brown. Yep, I'm with you. Gronk is, is start uh, must start every week now. Carolina at Miami. Uh, Carolina is the favorite by a small margin, one and a half points. 
I don't really have a lot to say about this game. I feel like that hasn't already been said on the pickups pod with Andy and Scott. Both Andy and Scott uh, spoke brilliantly in a very platitude, but appropriately so way about Cam Newton and the lift that he gives the Panthers offense. I don't think we can debate that. I mean, I think DJ Moore is back to being a top 20 wide receiver and Robbie Anderson can even flirt with like top 45-ish space. Interesting about Carolina is they became, they, they had the highest neutral pass rate of the year, I believe, last week. Well, that's with Cam Newton becoming their quarterback. I mean, that you wouldn't really expect right. that. But yeah, no, he threw that dime to, to CMC for the touchdown. And overall, I'm going to say that it's going to help McCaffrey's uh, fantasy value, even if he loses some goal line touchdowns, just because the offense is moving and so much better. Just apparently, I, I was skeptical, but Cam Newton is a clear upgrade at quarterback there. So that helps everyone involved. Yeah, including definitely DJ Moore. That was his first touchdown catch since week four, I believe. So yeah, really nice to see. Also, maybe keep CMC on the field and healthier because I yeah, think we have to have week, a real definitely. talk about what, like, I think CMC needs to have that mirror moment when he's like, I would like to touch the ball 30 times, but clearly the data is bearing out that my body cannot handle that. And in order to stay on the field for my team and for myself, maybe I only touch the ball 19 times a game. It's literally every single week. He's either in the medical tent or stretching or something. It's a cramp. It's 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 jogging back to the locker room real quickly. It's something. I I mean, hopefully, I, I don't know if that means anything, but you're right, man. I don't know if he can hold up like this. Yeah, it's it's something to keep an eye on. CMC is if keep with this workload, he's persistently banged up. It appears to be. Did you have any excitement over Duke Johnson finding his way onto the field for the Dolphins with Salvan Ahmed out last week, and obviously Malcolm Brown still on IR? I wasn't super excited. I was more interested in my I, Gaskin going in DFS in that matchup against the Jets and was and, and was you know recommending to start him, but he was more of a nuisance. But uh, yeah, he's just you know another body there, and uh, yeah, with Ahmed was kind of you know. Super. I was wondering what that meant when they activated Duke Johnson a few days before the game, and it just meant Ahmed was the guy who was the, the, the guy out. But um, yeah, I mean Duke Johnson, I've liked in the past, but at this stage of his career, uh, it would take an awfully deep fantasy league. I think if anything, it keeps Gaskin locked into a workhorse-ish role like we saw him last year, right? Last game, last week, he carried the ball a season high 23 times. Volume still is king, even if the offense isn't particularly lit, even if we don't. By the way, we're going to talk about like field stretchers helping out the backfield so that they can maybe get a little bit more running room. Are we ever going to see Will Fuller? I feel like every week there's a tease, right? Like, Brian Flores said that we'll see Will Fuller before the end of the year. Well, we haven't seen him since week four, and every week there is some news blurb about his finger. Yeah, it's a fractured finger, too. Yeah, no, I have no idea when he's coming back. And their offensive line is really a problem. It's tough to run the football there, no matter who plays running back. Jalen Waddle's been an extension of their run game, essentially. Is Adot is. is as long as it is deeper with Tua in there, but still, I mean, they're just short little passes. And it's really fine for PPR, even if the touchdowns haven't been there. He's impressed as a rookie, and I can't wait to see when you know, they actually open it up, get some other receivers out there. Will Fuller to stretch the defense, but uh, Waddle is really impressed as a rookie for sure. Tennessee is traveling to New England. I ask you this, Dalton, what could Bill Belichick take away from Tennessee that hasn't already been taken away? Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown looks like the most obvious opponent's best player uh, candidate this week, if there ever was one. And talk about a guy constantly visiting the medical tent. Uh, man, A.J. Brown. But 
Still, theoretically, this guy should be looking at a ton of targets with no one else there. Even Adrian Peterson was released right before we started recording, um, if that matters. But uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, if he can stay healthy, should be looking at targets as the uh, Titans are who've been uh, winning every all, most games this, this year. Uh, if they're not getting upset by as big favorites, they're actually underdogs entering this game. So should call for a lot of passes from Tannehill. But you're right, man. Uh, Belichick shuts down opposing team's best players. So it's uh, it's a tough one here with looking at uh, A.J. Brown, who's battling a chest injury as well. And we're seeing the injuries mount. Marcus Johnson was one of these feel-good stories. He's on IR. You saw him grab his hammy last week. And now the latest news is that Golden Tate, remember him? He's been added to the practice squad. So... What 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 are we do what are we doing here? We got like Golden Tate and Dontrell Hilliard moving the chains ostensibly for the Titans against one of the most strategic, I think you could say, defenses in the league. It's pretty wild that the Patriots are one of the biggest favorites of the week against the number one seed right now in the AFC if the season ended. But yeah, Belichick, as he has been doing throughout his career, has his team playing better as the season progresses. So um yeah, it's 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 it's, it's turning into a mess in Tennessee with this way 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 too many injuries, and it's unfortunate. Of uh, Rabel's is coaching, you know, keeping them going, but yeah, that's a that's turning into a disaster there. You look at the backfield and and the last who's who's even there at wide receiver. I do think this matchup has some like sleeper vibes in it. I don't I don't know if I can convince myself. I haven't written my weekly column yet, but I I'm feeling myself want to write about Kendrick Bourne in this matchup. Is it wild? Is it crazy? I know it could be Nelson Aguilar one week. It could be Kendrick Bourne the other week. But uh, when we think about the defense in Tennessee, there should be opportunities. Allowed the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. I like the Bourne identity. X-Niner. Ramondre Stevenson. You can't, like, start him confidently with a healthy uh, Harris. But, man, I can't wait to see if he ever becomes a feature back because he looks just truly, like, special, man. He looks really, really fun. The Eagles are traveling to these beleaguered... I mean, we talk about two beleaguered teams. Like, I was about to say, like, the Eagles are traveling to New York to take on a beleaguered giant squad. But, like, other than last week, (laughs) I think beleaguered was probably the best word to describe the Eagles as well. The NFC East is... We all sound like a broken record every single season because this is the division that I feel gets piled on the most. But... Like my notes, literally, I wrote blarg for this matchup. I mean, we we should probably talk about Miles Sanders, right? Because in a twist of irony, the player who was getting zero touches and then finally started to get a little bit of run gets hurt in that game, comes back after missing three weeks with an ankle injury and records his highest tote total of the season, 94 yards on 16 carries. And then he's outrushed, by the way, by his quarterback. Yeah, but this team has become by far the most run-heavy team in neutral situations over the last month or so. Uh, Sanders lost a fumble this game, and and I guess he had another fumble punched out of bounds. They ruled him that he had, it, his forward contact had stopped, so the box score shows this one fumble. And then he sat out until Jordan Howard got hurt. And Sanders had four fumbles over 12 games last year. His final year in Penn State, he led all of college in fumble percentage. So it's something to pay attention to. But I still wrote about him in the DFS column this week. He's $17. If he's going to be the clear feature back with Howard suffering that knee sprain on a team that runs the ball like crazy, favored, yeah, he's definitely back on the fantasy radar. DFS radar, certainly you're using him if you've you've had him this far. Because, yeah, he's being treated as a lead back. Hopefully that fumble problem goes away. Where are you ranking 
both. I mean, I think I have Miles Sanders like in my top RB 25 ish. But when you see Tom Brady rip off a 10 yard run against the Giants, all I could see was Jalen Hurts moving up my ranks at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. Jalen Hurts has just been so rock solid. And yeah, three touchdown runs last week. Yeah, getting it done. Yeah, every week, obvious must start. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens with uh, Sanders. I, I do like, I think I ranked him a little bit more aggressively than that, but maybe I was psyching myself up by writing about him in the DFS column. But um, <laughs> certainly not a not a safe start. But um, but yeah, I like what the Eagles are certainly playing a lot better in that pocket. I saw some pictures of, of last week, uh, Hurts sitting there in the cleanest pocket, man. That offensive line got healthy and it's against a pretty good New Orleans defense. And Hurts had this all day back there. Offensive line really doing work in Philadelphia. The Falcons are traveling to Jacksonville. This is another delicious matchup. Two very, very obviously lit offenses. Nothing to worry about here. Gross. No, that's not the truth. Um, God, you know, I think about Kyle Pitts in this one because for a minute there, Kyle Pitts was looking like the real deal. And the last time he saw more than four receptions, was week seven, which is also the last time he was able to share the field with Calvin Ridley. And it feels a little bit like the situation in Detroit with TJ Hawkinson and that there are just no other wrinkles in this no offense, no no other weaponry. And so defenses know exactly what to do and they just key in on pits and they're removing him and he's a rookie. So even if he is a generational talent, he's in year one of the generation. And so how are we expecting him to deal with all these double teams and and also, and also, because poor Falcons, Corderell Patterson isn't fully healthy. We know he missed last week, so we have to keep an eye on his availability heading into Sunday. It's hard not to be discouraged of his Pitts' lack of production ever since Ridley went down, but I actually still dis- did rank him as my number one fantasy tight end this what? week. What? Why? Jacksonville's at, look, not even that bad. Again, they're at, middle of the road against a tight end. His last month, I know Pitts has not put up the numbers, but against the Saints defense that bracketed him and Diggs was on him and the, the Patriots, of course, opposing his best players. So I think his his matchups have been tough and he's going to get so many targets with no Ridley and Patterson banged up. And Jacksonville, this is a pass funnel defense. Uh, I mean, they they defend the run pretty well. They shut down Jonathan Taylor two weeks ago. They shut down the Niners last week. The run, they can get passed on much more easily. The, only con- the main concern I have here is Trevor Lawrence's inability to put up any points on the other side and maybe just Atlanta wins this ugly 13 to 7 or something but and also this is a a, a tight end uh week with um with no Travis Kelsey and uh, no real other smash spots either so um but maybe that is crazy you're right maybe just just constantly wish casting and hoping at some point Pitts actually has to put up some numbers and and yeah if he doesn't this week then I'll I'll I'll, I'll totally admit defeat here I, I like his setup here better than I have the last three or four weeks I understand that it's a plus matchup I just feel like how much is Jacksonville going to need to focus on shutting down the run against Atlanta? Like, there's just, there's nothing else here. And especially if Corderell Patterson, who at least had some versatility, some, he made the offense less predictable. And now this offense is so predictable. And Matt Ryan is struggling and Josh Rosen is out there. Like, the whole thing seems a bit disastrous. Regardless, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not like, I mean, we're we're talking about tight end surprises. I didn't see Dan Arnold 
dropping a goose egg like he did last uh, week either. Yeah, I was in on. Yeah, for sure. No, I thought, yeah, it's so consistent. The production, the targets have been there. By the way, Atlanta last week had three different quarterbacks throw an interception. You rarely see that in an NFL game. But yeah, and I was all, all about Arnold as a top 12 fantasy start last week. And I still think he will. That was just weird. The targets disappeared. Um, I don't know what to make of, of Lawrence. Um uh, you look deep enough the last couple games, you squint, maybe there's some improvement, but um, wow. I mean, this guy was thought of as a generational talent. And um, I've, I've heard the argument that it truly is the coaching. It really is abysmal and it really is hundred percent is simple to, to point to that. So uh, boy, he'll be really interesting to see how he does with the new staff next year. That's for sure. Zach Wilson will return under center after a carousel of options that included Joe Flacco most recently and Mike White, obviously. In week 12 at Houston, it is also worth mentioning not only is Zach Wilson healthy and starting, but um, Joe Flacco and Mike White are on the COVID list. So we're not going to see them even if something were to happen to Wilson during the game. Yeah. Yeah. Is he fully ready from that PCL injury? I know there was a confidence issue with his knee as recent as last week, but um, I think this COVID issue with Flacco definitely forced this issue. I'm not sure they would have gone away from Flacco otherwise. Uh, Michael Carter's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So a lot of injuries uh, on offense there. Uh, Elijah Moore, I know we both love him. I was hesitant to start him last week because he was still splitting snaps with Keelan Cole. Didn't matter. He got the playing time and it resulted, he's just a a budding star, man. He'll be drafted. It just depends on who's going to throw, if they can get a competent quarterback there because, man, he's living up to the preseason hype, which was really high. And yeah, he's the real deal, uh, Elijah Moore, for sure. But I would prefer Joe Flacco throwing him the ball and Zach Wilson here. Suddenly, Houston, I mean, Houston Texans, you could be considered like a fifth. I think I ranked them up to fifth or sixth on my defense this week with Zach Wilson. And um, yeah, this is an ugly game, but it's pretty funny that the Texans are actually three-point favorites. Uh, The Texans' pass defense, by the way, is not bad. I I think they have 26 sacks on the season. And if you have a young quarterback, let's not forget that he's a rookie, coming back from a PCL issue. As you mentioned, the confidence issue part of him. (laughs) maybe ghosts just live at MetLife Stadium and that's what he's going to be seeing because I trust that that the Texans will know how to get after him based on what they've put together over the course of the season um, via their pass defense. And then on the flip side, I love Tyrod Taylor, top 12 fantasy QB last week, only throwing for 100 yards because he ran in two scores. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's only, I think this is only his second home game of the year. The, uh, Brandon Cooks has averaged 87 and a half yards at home this year. Last week was just a quiet game because of a rare positive game script for Houston. So although I guess they might have another one this week, the Jets are not a good defense. So I like Cooks to bounce back and Tyrod Taylor is a top 15-ish type fantasy QB this week. What about all of these running backs? I know you mentioned Michael Carter is obviously out with the ankle injury, which is such a bummer. Part of the reason we liked Carter, even with the negative game script always being an issue in New York, was because of his involvement in the passing game. So when we're looking at replacements, I'm going to take Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman. Uh, Carter, between week 7 and 10, averaged nearly 8 targets per game, and Johnson has averaged 6 over that same amount of time. So I think that can put him in like the RB 30-ish range in PPR-friendly formats? I would like Johnson better if it were still Flacco starting, but I agree with you. I have him, I think, borderline, whatever, 25th, 26th uh, ranked back, Ty Johnson. Tevin Coleman's at risk of leaving a game, mid-game injured too at this stage of his career. But yeah, two games ago, Ty Johnson saw eight targets. We both liked him before the season. So yeah, I mean, Michael, it's uh, it's frustrating to see Carter suffer the injury, but uh, Ty Johnson, next man up, and he can be started in fantasy leagues. Philip Lindsay was waived. That shouldn't be a big surprise. I think the bigger surprise was that David Johnson was 
outcarried by, wait for it, Rex Burkhead. You know stuff is grim when that's the case. Yeah, I, even when a matchup with the Jets allowing, you know, hemorrhaging fantasy points to opposing uh, backs, I think the most, um, I'm still not starting Rex uh, Burkhead with confidence this week. That that offensive line, I don't know. I mean, I guess game script if you play with the lead, they're favored. Like I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, boy, I mean, yeah, running back is really that that thin. So maybe I need to move 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 Beasthead up my rankings. I probably have underrated him. You're right. He was treated with like as a feature back last week. David Johnson also looked dusty. And I, I don't like saying that about players, but when you put up 18 yards on 13 carries, I'm not like an arithmetic genius, but I know that that's some bad math. Yeah, and Philip Lindsay, you're right. So his ECR, Burkhead was 45. I was just lazy to leave it there. I moved him up to 30. So yeah, he's he's a starter. Okay. You're right. Burkhead getting the carries and now you know, Lindsay. Yeah, and they're favored this game. The Jets have allowed the most fantasy points of opposing back. So sure, yeah, okay. That totally makes sense, yeah. All yeah. right, it's Burkhead season. Let's go. <laughs> okay, running backs who know how to go. Austin Eckler coming off of a four-touchdown career effort on an island game, like a Sunday night primetime showing. Beautiful thing. Now the Chargers are going a mile high to take on the Broncos, who are coming off by some Broncos news really quickly in case people missed it. Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick got paid. Sutton signed a four-year contract worth up to $60.8 million with nearly $35 million guaranteed. And Tim Patrick, you know, we talk about him being like the most underrated receiver in the league all the time. Well, clearly the Broncos are appreciative of his services and talents because he signed a three-year, $34.5 million extension with $18.5 million guaranteed. And we all know that the guaranteed number is the important number. I came across a few people criticizing uh, Cortland Sutton for signing uh, in Denver, ostensibly because of the quarterback situation. But um, let me tell you guys, I would be shocked if Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is not quarterback of the Denver Broncos next year. They are loaded at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end, and on defense. Again, Mike Clay had this unit, the number one entering the year before all these injuries, just looking at PFF's grades per position, uh, their, their roster on defense. Again, I mean, Jerry Judy is going to be a star. I mean, forget it. I mean, the high ankle sprain this year will mask his numbers. Uh, so, yeah, I think either it's either Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson on a loaded Broncos team that will be one of the favorites to come out of the AFC next year. And the backfield you mentioned is... <laughs> Javante Williams, everyone loves. Yeah, people fall over this. And yeah. Melvin Gordon <laughs> is not going away. Like, both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have recorded the exact same number of targets, 29 through the air. And Gordon has seen, like, I think 14 more carries on the season than Williams. And maybe Williams is more explosive. I think he has, like, seven breakaway runs on the season. So we're seeing that tackle-breaking ability that he had in college at the next level. But Melvin Gordon is the more trusted option in the red area of the field, and he has more touchdowns to show for it. Oh, yeah, it's frustrating for fantasy managers, but Melvin Gordon is, is fine in real life. Like, he gets his done. He's 28 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. And Noah Fan and Albert O had tied in. I mean, this is a roster that is very deep. Yeah, I, I, it's exciting if they get that quarterback position like I'm like I'm expecting. One piece away, and I would not be surprised to see Sierra headlining at Red Rocks sometime in 2022. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Your guy, Austin Eckler, by the way, just props to him, man. Very, what? Very impressive and not an easy matchup. Uh, Justin Herbert fantasies QB one last week, but um, yeah, man, Austin Eckler, I lowered him in my rankings right before the season started because he suffered that hamstring injury that seemingly was serious and he isn't, isn't bothered him at all. And he's just balling, man. I mean, getting it done. No, no. Austin's really good. And I mean, he shared this on the show, so I'm not divulging anything, but I think it's, 
important to reiterate, especially when we talked about CMC and Saquon at the top of the show, Austin is very vocal and honest about what his body can handle. And he would rather be on the field for 17 weeks as opposed to missing time because he overloaded himself. He also talked about the fact that Larry Roundtree is the goal line back, probably the number two in that cadre of options. You've got Justin Jackson, who's always banged up, and the kid out of UCLA. Um, but Roundtree has been the best in practice per Eckler, and also when they're in goal line. Like, there's a difference between being in goal line, I know you know this, and being in the red area of the field. In goal line, probably Roundtree is going to get the look because Austin would like to, and therefore the rest of the staff would like to, protect him from any unnecessary damage. And you know, we saw that two weeks ago when, when Roundtree took the goal line stand and fell into the end zone, you know? Oh, I 100% took a note two weeks ago when he took that goal line carry, and I added him in, in a deeper league. Uh, yeah, Roundtree does appear to be the guy there. You know, that is of note. That's interesting to hear Eckler talk about how in, in preservation of his body, part of the reason, because yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Rams and the Packers. I'm surprised that the over-under on this is under 50. It's at 47 and a half, which seems a bit low. Packers are one-point favorites. The Rams have obviously dropped two in a row, but they're coming off of a bye. For me, the biggest question mark for the Rams in this game is not whether or not they win or lose, but from a fantasy perspective, how integrated are we going to see OBJ into this offense? Robert Woods, done for the season. We knew that. We were willing to allow OBJ, it was a pretty big mistake two weeks ago, it didn't go great, but I think we're allowed to say, okay, well, he was forced into action and rapport and chemistry, blah, 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 blah. But now coming off a bye, I feel like the excuses are more limited. This game opened at 50 points, so it's dropping. You're right. That total, I did not realize it was down to 47 and a half because I expect a high-scoring game as, as, as well. I would personally rather go with Van Jefferson than Odell Beckham at this point. I need a prove-it game at least from Beckham. Uh, I mean, you know, new, new, new team and, and all. Um, Cup, Cup I, I, I said, go ahead and pay up for in DFS. $36 his salary. He just leads in every single statistical category. Uh, among receivers and just now with no Robert Woods uh, I don't think he scored the last two weeks too so he's due for some hitting some pay dirt so Cup is just is just has just been so so unstoppable um I don't know are you are you more encouraged about Beckham I I just remain a little skeptical certainly wouldn't want to start him without a prove it game first Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota receivers lit up Green Bay last week I don't think that OBJ is going to pull down eight receptions the way that Adam Thielen did last week but do I think that he could flirt with I don't know, four catches, five catches for 70 yards, like one big catch from OBJ can get you to 70. That's flex territory. Yeah, it absolutely could have. You're right. They were absolutely lit up Green Bay secondary last week by by Minnesota. I'm uh, sure conver- conversely on uh, Green Bay, my guy MVS, just when I finally given up on him, was a <laughs> double digit targets. You. I mean, oh, yeah. where did that come from? Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, and I officially had dropped him everywhere and stopped stopped recommending him. But yeah, pretty pretty annoying to see that. But uh, actually, nice for MVS. I'll always root for him. But uh, yeah, and and it's not like it took away from Devontae Adams either. Had two scores, so yeah, I would be um, yeah, I'd be surprised if this isn't a back and forth with a lot of points scored in this one. And we're still staying strong with AJ Dillon, right? We're not, even though he didn't clear a hundred yards total, it was ninety seven. We're we're not too unhappy with that, right? Yeah, I recommend him in the DFS this week. It's still a reasonable $21 in our game. No uh, Aaron Jones. He was still treated as the feature back. I know the carries weren't there, but he secured all six targets. He'll be the goal line guy there. So, yes, I'm still in on A.J. Dillon, even if he disappointed in his start last week. 
The aforementioned Vikings will be going to Levi Stadium to take on your 49ers. You going to this game, Dalton? You going to be there? No, I only go to the night ones. I got to write for, for you guys. For work. Uh, we yeah, have to work. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is a huge game. This is playoff implications. This is the final wild card spot for the NFC. And the tiebreaker is that is the tiebreaker is the head to head. So this is huge. I um I'm not sure if I if I'll be happy that, that I have to miss this one because the Niners are so bad at home. They're whatever two and eleven their last thirteen games in in Levi's Stadium. But this should be a fun game. That's also high scoring, and you could load up on DFS here. Kirk Cousins forced to pass because the Niners are tougher to 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 run against than to pass. So when anytime you force that team to pass, like Last week, you actually see some offensive fireworks when Mike Zimmer allows it. So, and then on the flip side, the Niners, Elijah Mitchell, broken finger, uh, maybe forced Jimmy G to throw, who has the only NFL high four straight games with a hundred passer rating. How are you feeling about Jimmy G? I want to ask you this. Hold on. I want to say, how are you feeling about Jimmy G? I know that you were high on Trey Lance. I believe that I was the only one on our staff who said that I didn't expect Trey Lance to start in the first month of the season, I thought it'd be week seven. I didn't expect him to not be starting at all, but how, how is that processing? How are you digesting all of that? Especially because Jimmy G's not been bad. I mean, you could say it was Shanahan's system, but like he's been on a tear. Yeah. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect Debo to emerge like he has either. It's been a definitely unexpected season for the Niners, but I'm happy that they're back as, you know, as playoff threats and looking good last two weeks, totally left for dead. And then Monday night, they destroy the Rams and then obviously beat up on Jacksonville. But um, I have Trey Lance in in 95% of my fantasy leagues on the bench. And it looks like it's definitely going to take an injury hundred percent. So that makes sense in hindsight, given the roster and Lance being so raw and Jimmy Garoppolo situation. But if nothing else, I did expect him to get injured and it was really only one game and um, he's looked great the last four weeks uh, with the calf healthy he's been accurate I mean he's he's not you know some great top 10 real life NFL quarterback but he can execute that Shanahan system and it, it works it's nice have it's been really rare to have Debo George Kittle both healthy and now Ayuk out of the doghouse all three of those guys going at the same time is really rare uh, it'd be amazing if they could get those three and a feature back all at the same time how are you prioritizing them Debo, obviously, first, and then Kittle, and then Ayuk, I'm assuming? Yeah, Kittle's finally getting used in the red zone. It was not since, like, Scored week, last week. week four of last season had he been targeted inside the 10, and then it's, like, three straight weeks he has. So it's been a total reversal in his red zone usage. You love that. And then Ayuk is a still top 30 fancy wide receiver because, again, this team may not be able to run with great success without, without Mitchell. It's a really concentrated target tree, really, really narrow. It's just those three guys and no one else. So uh, even with Debo, and Debo last week was a top 20 PPR fantasy receiver, and he had one catch for 15 yards. How wild is that? Because he runs the ball. So, so he gets his yards from scrimmage. So I still think Ayuk is startable, even with a healthy Kittle and Debo. Kyle Shanahan said that Elijah Mitchell was day-to-day with a finger injury, but it sounds like you're anticipating he'll be sidelined. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm skeptical. It sounds like that surgery did not go as anticipated if you read closer to John Lynch quotes, but it'll be a total guess. But um, if there's no Mitchell, Jeff Wilson disappointed last week, but he got like 19 carries and he would be a total flex option or even an RB2 as a feature back there. And I can't believe Trey Sermon uh, is apparently is warranted as a bench stash now. But um, yeah, that's just that would be a guessing game if I had to. Uh, but if Elijah Mitchell is out there, Shanahan likes him far more than his alternatives. Agreed. I think Jeff Wilson moves up to like RB23 territory yep. if there is 
is no Mitchell. Uh, so we will encourage all of you guys to keep tabs on that because I said at the top of the show, stuff is going to unfold between the time you listen to this and the time the games are played. Sunday night football is the last game we have to preview. The Browns at Baltimore. I mean, this we got two quarterbacks with question marks. Baker's health has certainly been an issue. If you go on Brown's Twitter, there's a clamoring for Case Keenum to just finish out the season. Um, and Lamar, non-COVID-related virus last week, kept him out. So we expect he'll be back on Sunday. Yeah, I just sit through Baker Mayfield. That's the team I had last week in that big survivor pool with Cleveland, and it was ugly. I know he's gutting out an injury, but a healthy Keenan would clearly be an upgrade. I mean, against the Lions, he was throwing some ugly picks when they had the lead and just didn't need to turn the ball over. And I've been very defensive uh, this week, too, but it sounds like he's going to try to play through um, play through the injury. But yeah, it's not uh, not great. And, and Nick Chubb got a lot of those carries late in that game. He was underutilized, but nice to see him you know, recovered from COVID and looking, uh, once again, like one of the best backs in football. Devonta Freeman, too. I mean, he's recorded double-digit carries for three straight weeks. Le'Veon Bell, obviously, off the squad. Latavius Murray is back from the ankle injury. But it was Freeman last week who continued to lead the backfield. And, you know, the matchup is not the easiest by any means. But on a team that likes to run the ball a whole heck of a lot, even if they're passing it a little bit more, you have to imagine that Freeman would be the one to choose. Yeah, I'm with you. Freeman's a top 30 fantasy back. You're not overly excited to start him, but you can. Um, I was I was excited to start Rashad Bateman last week until the Sunday morning news surprise sure. inactive of Lamar Jackson, and that just totally shelled up both offenses. It hurt. I liked Komet on the other side of that game, but it just oh totally girl, shelled. don't talk I mean, to me about yeah, Komet. It, it really was a domino effect. I swear. But blaming Lamar Jackson, man. Is uh, by the way, I hope he gets better. It's 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 odd that he keeps suffering these illnesses. But and then he showed up to the stadium too. I found odd too, but. Uh, uh, I do expect Lamar to return this week, but last week that was a domino effect that affected both offenses, just totally shelled up. And Bateman, uh, was even without Marquise Brown, was was not productive. So uh, got to pay attention to Hollywood Brown's status dealing with that thigh injury. Unfortunately, it's a Sunday night game, so hopefully we get some clarity you know, beforehand. All right, clarity is what we need. Shelling up is what Dalton is talking about. It's time for us to shell up this episode because we've run out of games to preview. But if you want to keep chatting with us, we love chatting. All the time. You can do it with us on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at, or Dalton, 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 whatever you want to call him. You can follow him either way at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Stick around here too, because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez for a DFS preview of this week's games on Friday's episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Go ahead and win yourself some money. You're going to need it for the holiday season. And until then, have a happy Thanksgiving. May the gravy pour with bounty along with your fantasy lineup. We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, 
They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.